Hello and welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is Meep, also known as Mary Pat Campbell. I'm a life actuary. And this is the second episode about the lying professor from Harvard Business School, Francesca Gino. Um, I'm continuing on looking at what the data collada people have done, but I want to discuss a little more about academic science and how we've basically lied about science in terms of how it's done because of the distinction between how science is taught to people, you know, and how you get the concept. And it's not just science, it's STEM in general. That's science, technology, engineering, and math. And how you're taught how it's done, or how it's developed, how it's discovered when you're a kid or when you're in institutional schooling versus how it actually develops and how that disparity and the incentives in especially academic STEM uh, really encourages this kind of fraud because Francesca Gino is probably just the low-hanging fruit of the fraudulent science that is out there. And they probably picked her because the data were there. Um, it can be that the fraud, and there's been a lot of fraud, there's uh, various sites like Retraction Watch that are out there regarding uh, finding fraud uh, in a variety of published academic science. But let's go back to parts three and four of Data Collada, and they keep calling it the Data Falsificata, um, and part three is the cheaters are out of order. And part four is forgetting the words. And this has to do with how they detected the fraud of some other studies. So there are four parts, you know, and I did mention parts one and two in the prior episode. And this has to do with how they detected that data were tampered with before the analysis was done and uh, results were published. In the case of the cheaters are out of order, this is a study where this was using MTurk. This was the old Mechanical Turk, if you remember that. I used to do Mechanical Turk tasks. I think that was Amazon back in the day. Anyway, they had received the data set, the data collada people had received the data set several years ago. That gives you an idea of how long it took them to study this data and there were 178 participants they were presented with a virtual coin toss task that gave them the incentive and opportunity to cheat so i'm reading this description from the data collada post itself after completing a scale measuring rule following and they're not discussing this further participants completed two creativity tasks so here we will focus exclusively on the results of a uses task, which involved asking participants to generate as many creative uses for a newspaper as possible within one minute. Other researchers have used this task as a, re as a way to assess creativity. So uh, as in part one of their series, the telltale sign of fraud in this data set comes from how the data are sorted. 
So they have a ID number and then an indicator whether or not that the person cheated. So zero or one, zero that they did not cheat and one that they cheated on the coin toss task. And then the number of responses for how many uses for a newspaper the participant generated. So there are three columns we're looking at. So we have the ID number of the respondent, then zero or one for cheated or um, for zero if they did not cheat and one if they did cheat and then number of responses. So if they didn't cheat, so zero for cheated, the number of responses were in increasing order. However, if they cheated, so cheated was one, the number of responses was out of order. And when you sort in like manually sort and use the sort filter or whatever in Excel, you know, you don't get it this way. This is an indication that someone came through manually and changed the numbers for the number of responses. I mean, that's an indication that someone just manually typed over what the actual number was in there. And they highlight this. Um, it's actually that there's some indication that there was things in order and then just some, it's not even at random, that someone came in and just typed over like, and they kind of were kind of lazy at it too. Um, so I'm going to quote from the post again. Number one, it does not appear possible to sort the data set in a way that produces the order in which the data were saved. They were either originally entered this way, which is implausible since the data originate in a Qualtrics file that defaults to sorting by time, or they were manually altered. Two, recall that the rows are sorted by the dependent variable number of responses. If the values that are out of order were changed, it is straightforward to figure out what they were changed from. For example, row number 141 has a 13, the row above it has a four, and the first in-sequent value after it is five. Therefore, if the data were changed, we can assume that this 13 used to be either a four or a five. Below, you can see two new columns, imputed low and imputed high, which have two possible values to impute. So either it's the four or the five. So um, they looked at what the numbers could have possibly been um, that had been altered. So they came up with what the numbers probably were before they were tampered with. So when they basically untamper the data, the result, the research result, disappears for the cheating and the non-cheating situations. Um, and, you know, this is kind of what has been going on with this research. And this is probably what flagged the research for uh, Gino's research, Professor Gino's research, for these fraud researchers, that in this kind of area, and especially the kinds of effects that was being claimed in the published research were just like the p-values were so low, the effect was so strong that it was implausible 
because let me tell you, I work in finance and I've done other things, even in the physical sciences, it is difficult to get a result this strong. The problem was she was publishing results that were too good. So going back to the post at the very end in italics of this post, this is what they write. We believe that Harvard University has access to the Qualtrics file that could have perfectly verified or disputed our concerns. We told them which file to get, which cells to check, and which values they would find in the Qualtrics file if we were right. We don't know if they did this or what they found if they did. All we know that is that 16 months later, they requested that the article be retracted. Okay, so actually they did all of this work and study a long time ago, and they're sharing all of their results now. Uh, I actually downloaded all of their files that they are sharing in, I think it's called their research box. Um, I haven't looked at it yet, uh, but they tried and they are demonstrating a variety of fraud detection techniques, which I find very interesting. Uh, so that was part three. Uh, part four was interesting because this is a case where some of the data were tampered, but it was discovered. So the prior one was knowing how sorting data works in terms of Excel or however, it just, I mean, it doesn't even matter if it's Excel, it's just knowing how sorting data works. Uh, it doesn't matter the system, you can't get things that are imperfectly sorted and just a handful of the data that gets you the strong result uh, just so happens if you undo those things that are out of order, now your result magically disappears and there is no difference, which is kind of, I'm sorry, there's no magic. And this is, again, the lying about how the world actually works. There's no quick trick. There's no great thing of how you can do influence brains by just doing a little nudge. And that's part of, sorry, that's part of a lot of this research. Anyway, part four, forgetting the words. And this involved, again, uh, doing a survey on Mechanical Turk. And uh, people were in a variety of groups and, you know, it's a pretty good size sample set, almost 600, it's 599. Um, and they were in different, you know, three different sets, control, prevention, and promotion. And they're asked to uh, give some words about a variety of things. So they are to write about either a hope or aspiration, promotion, condition, a duty or obligation, a prevention condition, or just about usual evening activities. That's a control condition. So there are three different groups. So those, and they're about the same size groups. Okay, so those are your three different groups. Then they are asked to imagine a networking event in which, and, and it's supposed to be a social networking event, 
but they make professional connections. I mean, and people do this all the time, but they're asked to score whether they feel dirty or tainted or uh, inauthentic, you know, that kind of thing, you know, something wrong about picking up professional connections from a social event, social attitudes toward this kind of thing. A lot of people, well, you know, some people do feel icky about it, but, you know, a lot of people don't. In any case, there, there's seven different attitudes asked about. They rest, um, sorry, they score it from one to seven. They take the average of the scores, and this is like an impurity score. Fine. Uh, so you've got two different things, this average impurity score. And then there's these words that are used to describe the networking event as well. Uh, but there's some indication that this moral impurity rating was tampered with However, the words were not, and that's the detection they did, um, that they looked at these scores that the, where they predicted this prevention, where they predicted the scores would be high, and lo and behold, it did come in high, that people would say, oh, it's icky, I felt inauthentic, yada yada, so lots of twos and threes. Not too high, not like six and seven, but which is like, oh, it's awful. That would be pushing credulity, but that it wouldn't be very low at one. They'd push it up to two and three. Fine. Pushed up to two and three. If you're going to tamper, don't tamper too uh, blatantly. So it was pushed up to two and three versus one, but there was like almost no ones in terms of the averages. So it was goosed quite a bit. The problem was that if you actually look at the words used, there's no distinction in the positive aspects of the words. So to read from their post, the researchers didn't care about the words, but we do. Critically, the authors were not really interested in the words the participants generated. The words task was there merely to help participants remember the networking event before doing something else. And so, to our knowledge, those words were never analyzed. They are not mentioned in the study's results section. This is important because someone who wants to fabricate a result may change the ratings while forgetting to change the words. And it seems that's what happened in our analyses. We will contrast ratings of the networking event, which were tampered with, with words describing the networking event, which it seems were not. Uh, so they actually compared between the different groups that there were some suspicious threes, which is like, oh, it's bad, it's icky. But if you actually look at the description of the party, they were very positive, very similar to ones in the other group. Um, and actually even more positive than ones in the other group. When they look at, and it also seemed that in the ones that were supposed to be positive, that those may have been tampered with as well, that some high scores may have been pushed down to ones. That it wasn't just that there were suspicious threes, there were also 
suspicious ones in one of the other groups and they had negative words that maybe some numbers were pushed downwards so um this was kind of interesting i have a feeling that what happened was they didn't analyze the words because they didn't have natural language processing software back then um and if there's almost 600 pieces of uh, data, you know, with all this text, they're not going to manually go through it. And if they don't have software to uh, process it for them, they're not going to do that. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And this is the danger. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, th I'm not going to have a lot of sympathy for the people. Well, I am, but in a moment. Uh, for those who are doing this data tampering for their published research. What's happening is, because a lot of this stuff was published like 10 years ago, um, the Mechanical Turk stuff, and I'm not even going to look it up because I do not care. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. So this was published in 2020, but I don't even know when this was done. Uh, so maybe Mechanical Turk is still around. I, I have no, or MTurk, whatever they call it now. Um, and they're still doing this kind of thing. Uh, and they say, we have received confirmation from outside of Harvard that Harvard's investigators did look at the original Qualtrics data file and that the data had been modified. So, um, in the investigation, Harvard has access or Harvard Business School has access to original data, uh, raw data, and are able to do some direct comparisons. The data collada people are only looking at what was published in open science or what was given to them by the researchers, which was the data that was used for the analysis. So it's post tampering data, um, but well done on um, being able to detect this tampering. Uh, but what's great for fraud detectors now, of course, is we have all of these of AI and machine learning and natural language processing and all of these tools that can go through these files and do all sorts of analyses to look for data anomalies. And for those who have been publishing their data with, I don't want to say the knowledge, but feeling pretty secure that their fraud would have gone undetected because almost nobody looks at it. And how would they detect that someone went in and just manually typed over some entries to get their results? Well, now you know how they're starting to find this. But how do they know to actually look at some of the results is because we actually know what real results look like or real data look like and what fake data look like and i'm sorry there's been you've been lied to all your life <laughs> from school i mean those who are in science they know a real data is very dirty it's very messy and you get almost nothing clear um, and you're like oh but i'm in the physical sciences uh yes and a lot of our stuff has a lot of noise in it and it's difficult to extract because we're in the real world and 
um, you get vibrations from outside and other things interfering with collecting your data. To be sure, a lot of people do have high-end equipment and they shield it from outside signals and yada yada. And yes, perfect. High-end stuff. High-end experiments. Very expensive. Perfect. However, we do know in the social sciences, if you're seeing a strong result, um, and it's going to be suspicious, and that's probably why they were looking at this. Uh, when you are a researcher, uh, I mean, this is the problem. When you're a kid, you are being served up, cleaned up results, and it you are told, oh, it's hypothesis experiment result, falsification, yada, yada, yada. It's all clean. You, that's, <laughs> you're not really told most of the time. You're given a cleaned up nar narrative. You're not told how messy most of it is, how much confusion, how much problem solving. Um, you're made to feel like a failure that even the simplified experiments that you do in school and it doesn't work and it fails. I mean, that was my experience that you're a failure for not measuring it right and this, that, and the other. Uh, only a few of those kinds of experiments, which have to be very carefully picked uh, for these things um, to work. Um, you know, a lot of times it's just so difficult to get good results. There are some things, yes, there are some things you can do, but so many things get contaminated or it's difficult to measure what the kind of precision you would need to have some good results for certain kinds of things, whether it's time or length or temperature, whatever. Yeah, you can do spectral lines. You can do, I mean, you can do litmus paper. You can do all sorts of things, but it has to be very simplified for most of the stuff you do. And this is even for math. One of the earliest uh, videos I did for Meeps Math Matters, which I started back in like 2007 on YouTube, was about a proof. It was a geometric proof involving an equilateral triangle. You put a point inside an equilateral triangle, drop perpendiculars to each side. What is the sum of the length of the perpendiculars? Okay. And can you prove what that is? And it doesn't matter where you put the point inside the, the triangle. And so think about that. And there's actually a simple thing what it has to be. Put the point on one of the vertices. The sum of this, if, if it's going to be a constant, it's got to be the height of the triangle. Now, can you prove it's a constant? And why is it a constant? So, th And why equilateral triangle? Uh, but when you're presented with a proof, you're not presented in math oftentimes you're not presented with all the different dead ends that people tried out you work backwards you work forwards like what are the different things all the different sketches that you make and trying to figure out how to do this and yes it involves the area of the triangle and you can drop you know it's these are all different heights of these sub triangles so it makes three sub triangles no matter where you put the point inside the equilateral triangle they all have the same base okay because it's an equilateral triangle 
Can you envision this in your mind? Anyway, you might, I'll link to the video. And, it, and again, it's from like 2007 or 2008. Uh, but, you know, you're not taught this in math. You're mostly taught it deductive. You're taught math going forward like it's obvious what the steps should be. And you're not taught a lot of times in real research math a lot of there's like a big tree and there's a lot of dead ends and trying things out and sometimes it goes nowhere and or you just find a result that's been proven before 50 years before 100 years before and you don't find anything new or you can't prove the thing that you're trying to prove you think of andrew wiles and fermat's last theorem that's been a result a lot of people were trying to prove for the longest time. And he came up with a proof and then he found that there was an error in that proof and he had to go away for a couple more years and fix the error in his proof. And he, I mean, he did ultimately get his proof for, for Ma's last theorem, but it took him a long time. He started out in a certain field. He had a specific goal of proving that. And when the approach he was taking was not bearing fruit he went down an entirely different route uh, to try to get to that result and he may not have gotten to it at all ever <laughs> and that's the thing and that's with academia whether it's science or math or engineering engineering i mean we make fun of engineering and by we i mean like mathematicians or physicists make fun of engineering that a lot of it is trial and error. And, and that's exaggeration, obviously. I mean, you can put stuff on a CAD and, and, uh, it's not merely just build the model and see if it breaks. Um, there is knowledge that certain things will not work, uh, in their engineering models. But in some cases, yeah, you're going to build a model and put weight on it and see if it breaks. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it would be helpful if we were a little more honest about how these things actually work. Sometimes there is a fallow period or this is how we actually do the work. Sometimes we don't really find much new or it's just a small incremental step. But if we require these large, you know, very interesting results to get published, if we cannot publish negative results, like we tried this experiment and there really wasn't a result and you were not able to publish that. Like, so if, if they took the honest results of this experiment and, you know, approached the journal and said, you know, we thought this would work but there was really no difference. They wouldn't be able to publish that. So that's the incentive to falsify the data so that they have an interesting result. It was interesting, but it happened to have been false. So that was their incentive to lie. And then that provides an incentive for them to continue to lie. Now, the issue is that I think these kinds of effects and these kinds of experiments 
you know, you, you cannot really influence people much this way. Um, sorry. Yes, people can cheat or do cheat, fine. But a lot of these things you can try to influence. And the reason these are of interest, of course, is because of marketing or business. They want to think that they can influence people in subtle ways. And no, perhaps not. Uh, they want to hear the, the things like, oh, yeah, we can uh, give people this fairly mild message and it will influence them in their buying habits and perhaps that doesn't actually work well marketing people will not want to hear that advertising people will not want to hear that um so <laughs> uh yeah that's not a welcome message but maybe that is something that does need to get published maybe like the actual result that no you can try to prime people this way or that way, and it has no effect. And, you know, people need to know that, that we can try these nudges, certain nudges, and they don't work. Maybe certain other nudges do work, but I'm very skeptical of some of these kinds of things. Some of them do work, and maybe some of them do not work. Maybe when they get through this, this was the four-parter that they promised that they would publish. Maybe they have a paper coming out saying why they originally looked at these papers or why they may have found this suspicious because there's a lot of things they could look at and they're probably, I shouldn't say they're probably, there's definitely a lot more fraudulent research out there. It's not just in the social sciences, in Retraction Watch. There has been stuff in chemistry. There has been stuff in physics that has been found of figures that have been plagiarized from other papers. Um, so this is a problem uh, in the sciences in general. Uh, there's all sorts of issues in terms of quality of what is being published in plagiarism, in fraud, and they may have gone after this set of papers, part of it because it involves cheating, because uh, the irony, but also because of the strength of the results that were being published. And go after the low-hanging fruit first. And this obviously took a lot of work to uncover. And you want to go after someone for encouraging the others, pour encourager les autres, um, find someone at a very brand name school, Harvard Business School. Then you can start going after people who were lower down uh, because that's what I would do if this was my goal. If they can figure out a way to get their fraud detection software, as it were, and find more targets, I can imagine that they could uncover a lot more just because of the incentives that are involved here. It's a big problem in these fields, as, you know, because there are huge incentives to publish just positive results and not any of the, we never found anything, which are what negative results are. Uh, but there should be negative results being published. So uh, that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. I'll talk to y'all later. Oh,